Alright, well, and as the train goes by, I start recording. Uh, September 8th, 2021, it's Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, work has been rather slow, so I've been at home doing some stuff around here. Um, and following up on yesterday's rather productive day, I wasn't as productive in terms of creativity today, but in terms of my Chinese studies, it was actually kind of productive. Um, so in my uh, normal, my typical fashion in the morning, I went out um, and on my walk, I was reviewing Chinese characters, uh, which I, I'm actually, I just realized now that the Chinese characters that I'm doing now, I'd actually started learning uh, at the end of last year. If you remember, uh, I had posted about uh, starting the HSK 5 books at the end of last year. And I managed to get through about 13 chapters, 13 units or so, 13 chapters, 13 lessons anyway, on my own uh, before stopping those books and then continuing on with my uh, my teacher on, on using a different textbook. So that being the case, um, the characters that I'm learning now are from all uh, all within that first group. So on the in the textbooks, I got up to uh, lesson 13, and here using the Memrise app, I am now on lesson six. Uh, I do feel a lot more comfortable with the characters now than I did back uh, in last year. So this might actually be just one of those things that happens when you learn a language that your brain just has to get used to it over time uh, and then it just clicks and all of a sudden you, when you see it you're like well that must mean this that must sound like that uh, and I've noticed that this happens in fits and starts uh, in stages basically in, uh, in in my Chinese study so I'm looking at this now and thinking well taking the HSK 5 test isn't unreasonable by you know the beginning of next year uh, I want to say it could be a first attempt. I hope it's the only attempt because I don't really want to take it too often to tell you the truth. Um, the, the reason being is because I want it to be, I want to be so good at, I want to know the material so well that once I go in, it's like the end of the semester, basically. I don't have, I want, I don't want to have to repeat the grade, even though uh, it doesn't matter if I write it two, three, 17 times and it no one cares. They'll, they'll still take my money, right? Um, so that's what I've sort of been looking at and, and preparing for. And it's not just the characters. I do have to work on the grammar structures. I know that. Uh, so that is going to be one thing that I have to uh, solidify before I actually get into uh, or as the, the, the test date gets closer. As it stands, um, I mean, I really want to get through these characters as soon as possible. So there's, I'm not sure if there's 2,500 or 1200. I think it's 2,500 new words and characters. Words and characters, which is important because there are some new words that consist of characters that I would have already learned at HSK 4, uh, which I, I believe I've mentioned a couple times before. So that is sort of the plan is to get so good at these characters. Uh, and then with the extensive reading that I'm doing, that also contributes to understanding a bit more of how a Chinese sentence is constructed so that when I go into the test and I see a bunch of characters laid out in front of me, the natural reaction will be, okay, well, I've seen it like this before, so that this must be the structure. These, this character must go here, there, and there, right? So that, that's 
that's the idea I have going through my head uh, in preparing uh, this way. The other thing I did today, um, and this was actually kind of, I've never done this before. Uh, blocked off so much time. I don't really watch movies very often because I'm spending so much time studying uh, everything else I'm studying. But there was a list of um, movies, I guess, and I think it was compiled by That's Beijing or The Beijing or one of the two, one of the, the foreign uh, like expat-friendly magazines, uh, and they published 100 movies, 100 movies from the mainland that you you should watch that it's, it's like the same thing as like the top 100 movies from uh whatever else uh, like the the screen awards or the oscars or whatever right or imdb 100 so uh this was the top 100 mainland movies that you should watch or you, you uh to have a better understanding of uh cinematic history in in china so today i watched a movie called let the bullets fly and in chinese it's called rongzi danfei uh, and it's just over two hours long. Let's see, I think it's listed as at number 28. My girlfriend gave me this list. She gave me these movies, actually, a whole bunch of them. Um, and so it's listed at number 28. A star is a bunch of famous people. Like, if you saw this movie, you'd probably recognize two of them right off the bat. One of them, I, I see him, and he's, he's pretty well known in the mainland. Uh, and that would be, uh, what's his name, Wen Jiang, uh, Jiang Wen is his name, uh, and he's been in a, a quite a few movies recently, over the, uh, the last few years. The other guy is Chow Yun-Fat, and I'm sure you've heard of that name, or at least seen him before, uh, as he's been in a lot of different movies. I'm just taking a look at the IMDb page for it right now, um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good movie, um, a little bit bizarre, and I can, I can, I'm not sure, uh, okay, here, so Wen Jiang, uh, who plays Paki Jiang, Paki, like, his, his face is pockmarked, he goes by this name, um, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, so he was in there, that's where he was, uh, he was from, uh, so that's my, might be where you recognize him as well, uh, and then, uh, Chow Yun-Fat, yeah, he is, um, one of these guys that worked with, uh, Hong Kong director John Woo. So, um, yeah, he's also pretty... He, he, you'll recognize his face uh, when, uh, once you see it. Um, but so, at over two two hours, I was thinking, like, do, do I have enough time to commit to watching this movie? Because what I, if I wasn't going to write out my class notes, if I wasn't going to read my book, if I wasn't going to focus on grammar, I want to watch this movie and read the characters, like the, the subtitles, basically. I could follow along. A lot of the characters I could recognize, uh, I'd say about 80%, and a lot, uh, about 5% of them were actually new characters that I had just learned with going through these HSK5 um, vocab in the morning, basically. Like, literally, I just saw, I just went through um, the character in, uh, during my morning vocabulary session on my walk, and then I see it popping up here in use in a movie. So, um, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of people, uh, especially language learners, um, they promote the idea of extensive watching, extensive reading, and listening, um, and and talking as well to to an extent. But a lot of extensive use of the language, where you're not focusing necessarily on the language, but you're just being in contact with it. Watching movies is one way, and with 
<laughs> a language like Chinese where it is uh, character based and you can't tell the sound of the character based on the, the, the character itself. You need to be instructed, you need to be told what the sound is. Um, so with this, I mean, it's, you following along with the subtitles in Chinese is a little bit more difficult than it would be in another language that has an alphabet that you can become familiarized with prior, uh, beforehand. So that being the case, I mean, I watched this whole thing and I finished just before one. So I started it at like 1030 or so. Uh, and the reason it took me a little bit longer was because I was pausing it and writing down some of the characters that kept on popping up. Um, so oh, I can't even, oh, I didn't write down the pinyin. So not like I can remember a lot of them. Uh, there was Fu Sao, there is Xian uh, Cheng, Ke Pa, there is Zhu uh, Xin, uh, Ma Zhe, uh, there's another one, Cheong Ren, there's like poor people, and then, oh yeah, there's a bunch of them, and, and Jing Xi is surprised, pleasantly surprised. So there's a bunch of these. Oh, and Gongping. This is Gongping. This is another one. So fair, fair and equitable, basically. Gongping uh, is another word I was, I was looking up. I will put these characters in the uh, little write-up for this this episode, so you can take a look at them. Um, but yeah, so it was a bit of a vocabulary building exercise for me as well. Once I was done the movie, I like. <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> I mean, I was literally tired. I'm, but I wasn't like physically tired. I'm, just, I'm sitting there going, "Wow, I've, I'm so knackered. What? I feel as if, like, as if I've just been focusing so much on something." And in thinking about it, it's like because I was reading every single character. I was following along with what they were saying throughout that movie for two hours. So it was. For all, for all intents and purposes, a very intensive movie-watching experience. I don't think I've ever watched a movie that, that closely before. Uh, and I don't think I've ever watched a full Chinese movie uh, like this, um, where I focused only on the characters and uh, like understanding the story. Now, this movie, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good movie. It was a bit Tarantino-esque in the way that they sliced and diced the storyline. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't understand a lot of why they were jumping around so much. Um, the basic premise is that there is this group of bandits that wear these masks that have dots on them. And I guess those dots represent pockmarks. And so they're known as... one of The, the bandit leader of this group is known as... Pockmark, whatever, like Mr. Pockmark, basically. And so that's who uh, this guy is, Pocky Jung. It's, his name comes from wearing these masks, uh, even though like his face in the movie is, is clean, like it's very clear. Um, but with that, it's they seem to be bandits attacking uh, like government officials. Like, uh, and so it doesn't take place in the present day. It takes place back like... Uh, back in the 60s or 70s, maybe yeah, 70s, 60s, maybe 50s, the time before cell phones. Horses, horse-drawn carriages, things like that, shotguns that uh, maybe in the 19th, maybe earlier than that, 
Uh, oh, there it says 1920s China. <laughs> I guess I could have just read that. Uh, let's see. So the description is 1920s China. A bandit arrives in a remote provincial town posing as its new mayor where he faces off against a tyrannical local nobleman. All right. So that kind of makes a little bit more sense <laughs> what was happening. Um, but even still, why they were jumping around with all of the... Um, the action I don't really understand. It was funny at times, like like actually generally generally funny. Um, the effects were decent, like it was well. It wasn't like a cheap production at all. It was well done. The one thing that you'll probably notice if you do watch it is that the subtitles will be off, or sorry, the the voiceovers will be off. So they foldied a lot of the stuff, and this is like a hallmark of Chinese movies, where they record set sound and then they go over it again and they record foley sound, which is just additional dialogue recorded in the studio after the movie's been shot. And I don't know why they do it. Why don't they just capture the set sound and use that? Uh, but uh, it was that was the way it does. So it has that sort of disjointed. They're speaking, but the lips aren't always moving up with the sound. So good thing you have the subtitles to follow along as well. I see here it says it, it won 28 awards and 38 nominations. Uh, I'm not sure which ones it had, though. Uh, Asian Film Awards, top grossing Asian film. Asian Pacific, did it win any Western? A lot of Asian Film uh, Awards. China Film Directors Guild Awards winner. China Film Directors Award. Golden Horse Film Festival. Hong Kong Film Awards, it won for Best Costumes, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor for Wen Jiang, um, and Yogu. Yeah, so it won a bunch of uh, movies, uh, a bunch of awards, mostly in Asia and in China. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure if you looked for it, you could probably find a subtitle, like an English subtitled version. Well worth it. It was an interesting experience to sit down and spend two hours of my life literally watching a Chinese movie as part of my my studies. So this gets me thinking, can I do this for Russian as well? Now I have to find something to watch in Russian. I have a lot more Russian books than I do uh, Russian movies. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not sure if you guys have ever tried to do that before watching a movie or like watching a TV sh uh, series. I know a lot of my students always say that like, what taught them the most English was sitting down to watch a TV series. And usually it's Friends. Uh, nowadays it seems to be Rick and Morty. Um, but that's what they do is that they just watch these shows over and over and over again. And they be, they're fans, but they're, they're fans because they're students of the... You know, of, the, of the whole TV series, of the language that they're using. So... Uh, yeah, good stuff. Funny enough, they don't actually watch like shows like Family Guy. I wonder why. Uh, sometimes humor doesn't uh, convey across borders very well. So yeah, that was an interesting uh, experience today. Anyway, uh, so I've gone on about this uh, movie, Let the Bullets Fly. Uh, again, what was it? Rang Dan Fei in uh, Chinese. Highly recommend it. Uh, take a look at it. See what you say. Uh, see what you think. And why not expose yourself to, to some of the uh, the Chinese cinema out there. All right. I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. We will talk again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.